Well, I'm glad that it's um, the weekend where time goes back. Because I have no long idea how long this is going to take me. So you get an extra hour, or I get an extra hour. <laughs> well, many times in life we, do, we have choices, choices to make. Sometimes we don't make the right ones, sometimes we do. But we also have choices that, that drive us. Sometimes them choices bring us down the wrong path. Sometimes it brings us to a path of peace. And if you could bring my message up, that's actually what I ended up titling it, is A Path to Peace. Uh, when the Lord was first giving me things to share tonight, um, I really didn't have a title. I just started writing. And uh, the one theme that just kept happening over and over and over again was peace. So, Father God, tonight, I just want to get out of the way. Lord, I just ask that you speak through me, that the words that you have me write on this paper, I actually come out of my mouth, Lord, and it is all you. None of me, but all you, Lord. We thank you for tonight. We thank you that we can get closer and closer to walking in the paths that you have for us, Lord. Lord, we love you. I love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Devin. Well, I guess I'm going to start with, are we driven by eternal things or are we driven by worldly things? And I guess we need to define what worldly and eternal things are. As a point of reference, some worldly actions might be self-indulgence, tending to do what we want to do, could be self-desire, pursuit of what we want, what makes us, you know, what we think is going to make us happy. How many times have you done that? I want this because I know this is going to make me happy. Never does. But we think that. Being prideful in your accomplishments. And notice I didn't say taking pride in your accomplishments. There is a difference in doing something good than being arrogant on what you've done. I'm sure these things may not be what come to first to your mind when you think of worldly things, but the more I ask Holy Spirit to reveal to me things that I tend to focus on that seemingly have no impact on my eternal life, but in reality they do, they are exactly the opposite of whom God made me and you to be. How many of us from a young age, have focused on the American dream. We focus on securing a good job. We focus on someday getting married. We focus on having children, and even further down the road, having grandchildren. We focus on buying a house. We focus on buying a car. Then maybe we even bought two cars. Oh, wait a minute, we need a bigger house. Oh no, now I need a newer car. Because that new model came out, not that the one we had wasn't good enough. Then we move into that bigger house. We need a TV for every single room. Then we need, I think you get the point. We spend so much time focusing on stuff, or dare I say things, that we expect and or want, that we may forget who the giver of all these things is. When I'm speaking of material possessions, 
personal aspirations or personal desires. I'm not saying any of those things are bad. We can actually delight in those things. So what do I mean? The best way I can explain, or what I can speak into at least, when you lose all of your material possessions that you've worked hard for, regardless of no fault of your own, but in my case, poor decision-making, poor life choices, um, a.k.a. also known as not asking the Lord what I should do. And yet my Heavenly Father loves me so much that he gives me another chance to get it right. Now, and I can, you know, I can hear Father God saying, finally, <laughs> I can delight in every blessing I'm given because I know it's from him. If I didn't need it, then I don't want it. I only want what he wants for my life. We should delight ourselves only in him. Lining up our desires with his desires for our lives. He gave me the ability to work. He gave me the ability to perform my job well. And most importantly, and we sang about this tonight and prophesied about this tonight, he loves me. He loves you too. Amen? We must be content with what the Lord has given us, but many times we tend to just focus on the things with our time here on earth. Your household may may need multiple cars to take the kids to sporting events. Ask my sister. She runs ragged everywhere she has to go. One kid's in Tennessee playing soccer. One kid's in North Carolina playing basketball. She's on the go, 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 her and her husband. Maybe you need that transportation to transport elderly family members or friends who needed appointments. And all along, you have to go to work as well. You may also need a bigger house due to your fostering many children who, in an unfortunate situation, need the love that only you can provide. We must keep in mind everything we have, everything the Lord has blessed us with, and all things we got to give glory to God. Revelations 4.11 says, trifocals working here. You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Also in Psalms 37, 4, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. That verse really struck me because so many times I wanted to delight in what I wanted. But I never really took into consideration what did the Lord want for me. The more and more I get to know him, the more and more I'm in relationship with him, I, I've, I've come to realize I only want what he wants for me. And it makes it easy for me to delight in that. And then my desires change because all these things I thought I wanted aren't so important anymore. I don't know if y'all want to write that verse down, but for me, that, was, that, was, that struck me well. We just can't focus on things of this world that are going to fade away. But when our wants and desires line up with the wants and desires of our Father, we are moving into a heaven reality, an eternal way of life. And this is where I found my path to peace. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 do not love this world, nor the things it offers, for, offers you. For when you love the world, 
you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure and a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, all with everything that people crave, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I don't know about you, but I want to please him, and I want to live forever. We can please him by being thankful for what he has given us and for what he has taken away. We can please him by our actions when we do lose things. You could complain, but I found it is better to praise. We can please him even when things don't seem to be going our way, knowing and trusting he is walking there beside us, lighting the path to our peace. So we've been talking about craving for things. We've been talking about pride of achievements and possessions. But what about craving for physical pleasure? Now, many of you saints may have no idea what I'm about to talk about. But I crave the relationship and intimacy that my parents had, and I would have done anything to have it. And in hindsight, I settled in an attempt to replicate. Along the way, I perverted it. I became selfish for what I wanted, not even thinking about how I may be hurting myself, how I might be hurting others, or even hurting my family. And though God may not have chosen those particular gardens for me to steward, I wasn't even focused on stewarding what I selfishly got chosen. So you might ask, what gardens do you speak of? Our men's group's been discussing this book, The Men We Need. I would encourage you men to read this book. It is an easy read, because I'm not really fond of reading, so it's easy for me to say it's an easy read. And it helps shed some light on these areas. So whether you're married, hope to be married, or just live a single life dedicated to the Father, I would suggest you read the book. I would also suggest and encourage your wife, or let me take that back. I would encourage you not to let your wife read that book <laughs> if you're not ready to step up and be the man that this world needs. <laughs> This book, as well as Kyle's teaching, has helped explain this terminology of the garden. We all have gardens in which we have a sphere of influence, whether it be our homes, being that spiritual leader, praying as a family, worshiping as a family, acknowledging all good things that come from the Father. Or maybe it's our workplace. We're supposed to build up our coworkers. We're supposed to acknowledge them, coaching where correction is needed, and just edifying their good work. Complete opposite of like tearing down, right? We're supposed to do that in our neighborhoods and our communities. We're actually supposed to do that anywhere we walk. We literally need to walk in his peace, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and just lighting the path for everyone and anyone. that just They might just not know their purpose. And they just need you to guide them. Those are the gardens I'm speaking of, and those are all gardens that we can all tend to. 
All these places should be better because we're there. And all these places I was trying to fill something that only God could fill. A desire that could only be fulfilled lining up with his desires for my life. Again, my path to peace. I know we all come from different directions, different backgrounds, good and bad choices. But one thing we can all agree on is that we're being drawn down a path to something. To give a little backstory about me, I grew up Catholic. Probably 42 years of my life, I would grow up Catholic. Many will argue about theological differences about any religion, but I will tell you this, it did give me base. I knew Jesus died for me. I knew he was risen again. I knew he was the only way to heaven. I was baptized as a baby. I went to a Baptist and non-denominational Christian school system my entire life. Went to confession regularly as a youth and less as I got older. But before I go any further in speaking on confession of sins, I didn't know anything different. I didn't know I could confess my sins straight to the Father. I wanted to speak about that because growing up Catholic, going to a Baptist Christian school, going to a non-denominational Christian school, I heard the banter from all religion. And it was so confusing because I'm just like, we're all God's people. Why is this even happening? And really all it did, and I'm not making it as an excuse, but it just pulled me away. It didn't bring me in for a closer relationship. I'm not saying confession of sins is important. And when I dove, when I dove into that, I wanted to understand what that meant. Why do we confess our sins? Well, in Psalms 32, verse 5, it says, Finally, again, that's probably what the Lord was saying to me. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and he forgave me. All my guilt was gone. There is a time we are to confess our sins to each other so we can build each other up. And I found that in James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. It's really easy to cast stones at other religious practices. I get it. But many times you're just following what you've been taught. Maybe part of breaking down some of that religious spirit is to cast knowledge into that ignorance which is our call of being light and darkness. Kyle's taught on this many times. Light is knowledge, and darkness is just ignorance. A few weeks ago, Kyle also spoke about the church in Malachi, a church who really didn't understand how they weren't honoring God, how they were bringing, or how they were even bringing a defiled sacrifice and worship to him. They were going to church, they were tithing. They were singing. Possibly even confessing the same sin week after week, all along thinking they were all good. I'm passionate about this because the people the prophet Malachi was speaking about was me. I did all those things. I thought I was all good. I may have been given a good base, 
But we must cultivate a personal relationship with him. He loves you so much. He just wants to have a conversation with you. He wants to show you which path to take. Not just follow the crowd. Not just say or do, or I didn't know any better. That is why it's so easy for me to worship him now. I've shared this several times in personal settings, and I still remember his voice like it was yesterday. I'm guessing it was probably six years ago. We were worshiping together at Relentless in Savannah, and me still having a lot of religion in me. I would grip that pew in front of me. I'm like, I am not raising my hands in worship. The more they worshiped, the more I felt Holy Spirit just flowing through me, the tighter I gripped. But then I heard this soft voice. Let me, let me say this first. I'm not telling you how to worship the Lord. I'm just going to tell you what he told me. As I was gripping that pew, I heard Holy Spirit tell me, just worship me. And I was like, what? Who was that? Kind of freaked me out a little bit. Continued to grip that pew even harder. Just worship me. Gripped even harder. I am not raising my hands. Third time, just worship me. I suddenly raised my hands, being obedient to what I finally knew was the Father speaking to me. And every bit of religion fell off my shoulders. It was so easy for me to worship God because he gave me everything. I was like, I was trying to constrict or control my life once again when he was just telling me, just give it all to me. Give me all your worship. Give me everything. <sighs> he makes me righteous. I never again want to feel like that. I don't ever want to feel again like I'm all good, like I did something. He's the one that makes me good. He's the one that makes me righteous. It is nothing I can do, everything that he does for me. But sadly, before I had this encounter with Holy Spirit, I just knew I was going to heaven. I did everything I was supposed to do as, my, as a good little Catholic boy. I went to confession. I said my prayers every night. I went to church. I tithed. Uh, I take that back. I offered we mean the Lord had some discussion about tithing, but I get it now. Um, I did all those things, and it really made me reflect when Kyle was talking about the church in Malachi. I'm like, huh, that was me. I did all those things. I thought everything was good. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm like checking that box. But that's not what God wants. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to know everything about you and you to know everything about him. I don't ever, ever want to feel like I'm all good. He's the one that makes me good. I didn't want to just go through the motions. I figured I could just live. At the time, I thought I could just live my life how I wanted to. And my achievements, my success, my possessions, my desires, it was my life. And I continually went through a merry-go-round of me gaining and then losing over and over and over again. God was there, but I didn't know him. 
I knew of him, but it was not in any kind of relationship. But as that merry-go-round goes round and round, God was still there, which leads me to another worldly action. Unforgiveness. Guess it's easier to stay mad at someone, never speak to them again, especially if that person has already passed away. Maybe even a family member, maybe it's a friend, co-worker, even that person who apparently is late to work every single day, and they cut you off in traffic and spill your coffee before it even had a chance to cool down. Are you still calm now? Or all these moments, or any moment of unforgiveness that may come to your mind right now, is you going to let that steal your peace? You know, while we were worshiping, we were, we were just, just worshiping in the Spirit, and what, like what comes to your mind, and I'll be honest with you, what came to my mind was, was the Lord's Prayer. And at first when I was thinking about that, because I guess in the Catholic Church, you know, again, I've heard this, so I'm only repeating what I've heard. Um, that's just another religious practice, that you're just saying a prayer. Well, I'm here to tell you that is not the case. I prayed the Lord's Prayer every day, and I didn't mean it. And when I said that I wanted to forgive those because He forgave me, I meant it. So again, we don't need to cast stones when it comes to other religious practices because you just might not know. I'm not saying I'm well-versed, but I've been in many, many different houses, and that's what I love about this house because we actually love each other. We're, we're willing to learn. We're willing to let Kyle step all over our toes, punch us in the stomach, maybe in the eye after I take my glasses off. But we just want to be more and more like the Father. As I was gripping that pew in front, oh, where am I at? I'm jumping. I'm jumping back up. <clears throat> I know, I know. Maybe many of you, I know, I'm sure many of you have heard this, vo this verse. I, it makes me easy for me to remember because it's John 10.10, and I was married on 10.10. So any verse that has 10.10, it just it seems to highlight for me. That these purposes, this steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Paul says in Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And in Proverbs 28.13, it says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses, and renounces them, finds mercy. Now, in this merry-go-round, several times I've been betrayed by the one whom you share everything with. Now, to be clear, I'm not referring to my wife, Marty. She's pretty amazing. I'm referring to things of the past. I'm referring when family and friends would ask me, why are you still helping them? Or why are you being kind or still compassionate to them? I didn't have to, but I wasn't going to let that situation or any situation steal my peace. Steal what the Father sacrificed for me and each of you with his son. So I forgave him. Was I hurt? Of course I was. I wonder what drove them to their actions. What drove the person to the actions that maybe hurt you? 
when I realized that it doesn't even matter, we cannot let the actions of others affect where we keep our gaze. Whatever drove them to their actions, they'll be accountable for. Whatever things I've done and to hurt others, I'll be accountable for. These actions could cause me, them, or you to have a longer path than needed. There are many paths in this life we can choose. Many we've previously discussed, but there's only one path to peace. It's an, it may be narrow and not well-traveled. But I'll keep my gaze on my Heavenly Father, the one who gives us the perfect example of forgiveness. Now, speaking about paths, just to lighten it up in here a little bit, or maybe I'm lightening it up for myself. I physically like getting extra steps in on a day-to-day basis. But when it comes to eternal things, I want to follow the lighted path that the Lord has prepared for me. Now, you may say, well, you don't know what happened to me. Or you, can, or you just don't do that. Or they had no right talking to me that way. Treating me that way or doing that to me. I guess that's a choice. I guess that's a path you can take. Doesn't sound like a peaceful choice. Again, life is just full of choices. Choose wisely. I'm just going to leave that there. Ephesians 4.32 says, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God through Christ has forgiven you. He didn't have to. He wanted to. So we could be in a relationship with him. Well, Lord willing, we will all have a long life. I was speaking to a friend this past week. He was telling me about his dad. He said he was a good man. A hard-working man. He provided for his family the best way he knew how to. I'm not going to speak about his relationship with the Lord because I don't have first-hand information on that. But on his deathbed, his friend, who was a chaplain when they served together in the military, came to visit him with his family. The chaplain asked if he could speak to his friend for just a bit. Two hours later, the chaplain came out and spoke with the family. He said, there's no need to fear. Your father has made peace with the Lord. When the family returned to the room, they noticed a completely different man. Peace all around him. Kind of reminds me of the, uh, the thief on the cross. Again, I don't have firsthand information about him. I don't know what he did in his life to be labeled a thief or even why he chose that life. But we can all agree he was destined for eternal punishment. He was being justly punished for his life here on earth and safe to say his eternal life. But God. In Luke 23, 42 and 43, that man says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And yesterday's already gone, but we have today. How are you running your race? How are you building up your Christian lives? I thought I was all good. So long as I went to confession, or in today's church, as long as you come up to the altar and confess your sins every week, 
and do nothing to nurture a relationship with the Father that actually might help you confess and repent. Actually change the path you're taking. Understanding there are eternal rewards, but and judgments. This is really where my message started. This, this, is, this is what pricked my mind on this. this thing, and I'm just asking you to think about this for a moment. Many of us, including myself, have focused on an 80-year life. But you will not endure certain things with an 80-year perspective. You may try to live a self-satisfying life here on earth with an 80-year perspective. But in James 4.14, it says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Your life on earth, and this is always hard to talk about. I was talking to one of my old bosses about this, and he didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't used to get it. But let's say you hear your time here on earth is only 10 years due to sickness. But in your passing, your life births a desire to find a cure. And that cure cures this woman. But she only lives 30 years. And we all ask, oh, man, that's so short. But then, but in that 30 years, she birthed a son, and then he paves the way to save many, many, many souls. I say all that to say this. We cannot focus on what we perceive as time here on earth. We do not know what will happen tomorrow, but you can be forgiven and or forgive what happened to you yesterday. But the time you have is only right now, today. For some, that path to peace may only be a moment, like the man on the cross or the thief on the cross. For some of you, it might just be a day. What if that path was now, today, and then that just carried on throughout eternity? I don't know about you, but that excites me because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But I know I'm going to live forever. And that's exciting to me. God's placed eternity in all of our hearts. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. The vapor of this life we have no control over. But we can make choices to follow and have an intimate relationship with him. God tells us all about eternal life with him. And he also speaks of an eternal life without him. So then I started thinking about eternal. So I had to Google what that was. What's the definition of eternal? Continuing without interruption. Seemingly endless. Job 36 26 through 28 says, Look, God is greater than we can understand. His years cannot be counted. He draws up the water vapor, draws up the water vapor, and distills it into rain. 
that rain pours down from the clouds and everyone benefits. When I read that verse, that's what made me realize our perception of time doesn't matter. He draws up the water vapor. Earlier in James, where our life is that vapor, he distills it into rain, and that rain pours down from the clouds, and everyone benefits. That, again, is exciting to me. The choices you make matter. There is an eternal reward for those who have given their life to the Father. There's an eternal judgment for all. But that judgment for those who have given their life to Christ is not condemnation. You are washed clean and covered in Jesus' blood by his death and resurrection. So we can become worthy again to be in a relationship with the Father. Condemnation is a seemingly endless eternity without the Father. That merry-go-round of endless fear, anxiety, depression, selfishness, unforgiveness, pride, never knowing your purpose, that is not a merry-go-round that I want to be on. Psalms 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? Psalms 46, 1 through 2, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Everything outside of God's will will end, but what God speaks is eternal. He can't lie. It can't be broken. He is my refuge and strength. He is my light and my salvation. My only eternal fear is not being in an intimate relationship with him. So if you have to be on a merry-go-round, the one I want to be on is one with him. Full of grace, peace, forgiveness, joy, understanding, goodness, faithfulness, and love. Kind of like what Kyle was teaching about with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're not a hierarchy of one, two, and three, but that perichoresis, a circle dance with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all the same together as one. That's the merry-go-round I want to be on. Certain amount of time on earth doesn't matter. Material possessions and self-perceived personal pleasure doesn't matter. Giving worship and honor and glory to the Father, who so wants a relationship with you, running the race on the path in which he lights the way is what matters. It's never too late to choose a path to peace. I'm passionate about that because I wanted to follow my own way for so long because I thought I knew best. Kyle
Kyle said something the other day, and I'm, I know I'm paraphrasing. I, I don't know, remember the exact words, but it's like if you want to know where you're going, you just have to trust him and start walking, and then he will show you the way to go. And John was telling me the other day, you know, when, 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 G, when um, Jesus was talking, or we say he was Jesus, but God the Father was talking to Abraham, he told him to pack up everything. Just pack up your stuff and go. He didn't ask where he was going. He just said, go. And he trusted him. You know, that path of peace. Oh, thank you, God. It took a long time to figure out. And I really didn't even have to figure it out. For me, I just had to raise my hands in worship. And that path lit the way. And I have not stopped since. I'll be honest with you, standing in front of people is the last thing in the world I ever wanted to do in life. And to be quite frank with you, there's times when I'm asked to do the tithe message, I am terrified standing on stage speaking. Well, this whole week, I was calm and full of peace. This whole week, I kept trying to be nervous. I continually, over and over again, was like, man, I'm supposed to be nervous. Let me be nervous. And then it hit me. The Holy Spirit's like, why do you want to be nervous? One, you're speaking on peace. You're speaking on that path to peace. And I'm actually giving you peace. And I'm like, you know what, God? You are great. I felt so protected all day today. Worship felt, I mean, it, it always is awesome, but it felt even freer today. Every, God's great. That's all I can say. His path to peace it, it was just so amazing. You just have to trust him. And for me, thinking I was all good my entire life, I'm good to go to heaven because I do everything I'm supposed to do. When all along, he just wanted a relationship with me. And he wants a relationship with each and every single one of you. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's you thinking, I'm all good. I do everything I'm supposed to do. But I'm here to tell you there's so much more. It is so peaceful. It is so peaceful when you forgive. It's so peaceful when you walk in his light. It's so peaceful when you do everything in life. It's peaceful when you're tending your garden. It's just peace. I'm going to ask the altar workers to come up just one more time. There's something in threes, and there's actually been three altar calls tonight. And I'm going to do it just one more time. But before we get to that point, I'm going to close with Psalms 25, 1 through 15. I'm going to ask you guys to stand because I want to read this together. And I don't want to just read it. I want to declare it. And I want to embrace the scripture as a personal commitment to the past that lead to peace for each and every single one of us. Oh, Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced. But disgrace comes to those who try and deceive others. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. 
for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Who are you, those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity, and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. My eyes are on the Lord, for he rescues me from the traps of the enemies. He's not going to remember any of your rebellious sin. He's not going to remember anything that's gone wrong in your life. He just wants relationship with you. I know for me, that relationship began at a moment of worship. And maybe tonight the Lord has been reaching out to you three times just wanting that relationship with you. I just encourage you, come to his feet. He wants you. He loves you. He just wants to be in relationship with you. Father God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for each and every person in your church, Lord. God, we just want to become more and more like you. We want to walk in your nature. Lord, we want to walk down the path that you light, the path of peace, Lord, not the path of our own making, not the path that lead to destruction, not the path that we think are more important, but Lord, we want to walk in your will. We want to walk, we want to line our desires up with yours, Lord. God, your path is perfect. Your peace is perfect. God, you're an awesome God. I never want to forget that. Lord, we thank you for tonight. Pierce the souls, Lord, of the people that need to hear your word. Lord, I pray that you open their eyes. They hear your voice, Lord, and start walking. Walking down that path that you've laid out for them, God. Lord, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.